Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Relationship Goals. We live in a world that has more relationships, but less love, more sex, but less intimacy. Whether you're single, dating, married, or single again, let's learn to make right what the world has gotten wrong about relationships. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. What's up, Liquid Church? It is great to see you guys. I'm Pastor Kyra, and I am thrilled to be with you here today. Now, last week, Pastor Tim kicked off our new series, Relationship Goals, with a message about marriage. And today I'm excited to share a message with you that comes before marriage, singleness and dating. And it's a chance to contrast God's truth against the lies of our culture. And there are plenty out there when it comes to relationships. All sorts of mixed messages, half-truths, and straight-up lies. And today we're going to spend time debunking some of them. It's going to feel like an episode of Mythbusters. You guys remember that TV show? Well, speaking of relationship myths, how many of you guys are familiar with the H-E-A, the happily ever after myth? I mean, doesn't that sound nice? The belief that we can meet the man or, or woman of our dreams right into the sunset and live happily ever after. Felices para siempre. The problem is that to have a happily ever after, you always need another person. And that's all culture says. In movies, in magazines, in books, that to live happily ever after, you need someone, preferably, a six-foot-three, dark-haired, blue-eyed hunk with nine abs. Anybody else? Or is that just me and my taste? <laughs> but here's the problem. If you don't have that person, the world says not only will you not get an H-E-A, a happily ever after, there's actually something wrong with you. Because to be single in this day and age is sometimes seen as less than like you're somehow incomplete or undesirable or even worse if you listen to the culture it actually makes you wonder is there something wrong with me i actually think it has never been harder to be single than it is in 2021 i mean think about it between the culture the pandemic and the social isolation that we are living in there's never been a better recipe for a match made in hell it actually reminded me of this funny commercial for the online dating site Match.com. If the year 2020 was looking for the perfect partner, who would they match up with? Oh, I've dated much worse guys than him. Much worse. I mean, at least he's famous. I started by using the Match custom search filter. I filtered out joy, happiness, toilet paper, and reason. Boom. Most years I've dated are a little, I don't know, straightforward. I mean, there's a little misery, but nothing truly soul-crushing about them. I just want to be remembered, you know? Do you know the poem, The Road Less Traveled by Shakespeare? I actually have the tattoo of it. Don't ask me where. You devil. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> she gets me. That's the best part, when you meet someone that takes time to see beneath the surface. Of the earth. <laughs> it's just a perfect match. 
Isn't that funny? I mean, I laughed when the devil says, there's a little misery, but nothing truly soul-crushing. You know what's soul-crushing? When the messages of our culture actually make their way into the church. Last week, I texted two of my single girlfriends because I wanted to get their input for this message. And so I asked them, ladies, what's the number one thing that you hate to hear when someone from church preaches on the topic of dating and singleness. And do you know they both said the same thing? They said, Pastor K, the number one thing we absolutely hate is when married folks stand up at church and make us feel like something is wrong with us because we aren't married yet. Or like somehow we're a lesser member of the body of Christ because we're single. Now, their honest response pained me, uh, me, sorry, because the belief that to be single is to somehow be less than actually comes from the world, not scripture. And then they added, we also hate it when church just tells us what we can't do as a single person. We already know we're not supposed to have sex before marriage, so can you at least throw a girl a bone and share all of the wonderful things we can do as single people? Well, what they both said actually struck a chord deep in me, and it inspired my message today, a message I've titled, Happily Ever Before, meaning before the person. And to unpack this, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis, specifically Genesis 2. We're going to start with verse 7, which lays the foundation for God's original design for male-female relationships. It says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. So God places the first man, Adam, in a garden, and he's probably wondering, what should I do? So God gives him a job. Skip down to verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Church, did you catch that sequence? God creates man, he gives him work, and then he gives him a woman. Fellas, that means you got a lot of work to do if you want a godly relationship. (laughs) By the way, if you've ever wondered where do humans come from, now you know. It actually reminds me of a little girl who went to her mom, Mommy, where do humans come from? Well, God made Adam and Eve, and then they had children, and then their children had children, and so on. Girl goes to her dad, Daddy, where do humans come from? And he said, well, millions of years ago, there were monkeys, and gradually, humans evolved. She goes back to her mom. Mommy, how come you said God created humans, but Daddy said we evolved from monkeys? And the mom goes, because I told you about my side of the family, and your Daddy told you about his. (laughs) Oh, man, I love that joke. Seriously, if you go back one chapter to Genesis 1, you read how God created the universe, okay? The Bible says it was lights out, totally dark, and God says, let there be light. And then he said, it was good. 
Then God said, you know, I don't want everything to be watery. I want there to be land. And it was good. Then sun and moon. And it was good. Sea creatures, Nemo, Willie. And it was good, church. Then he said wild animals, Timon, Pumbaa. And it was what? Good. What's happening here in this last verse that we just read is that for the first time ever, God actually says something is not good. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, I want to be really clear that when God says it is not good for man to be alone, he didn't mean it's not good to be single. That's actually the first myth we're going to bust today. Myth number one, singleness is a problem to be solved. When God said it wasn't good for man to be alone, what he actually meant was that we need other people because we're wired for relationships. It's why this pandemic, quite frankly, has been so painful. And why our mental health has severely declined this last year. Because when we're isolated, when we're apart from each other, we're more susceptible to the enemies of the attack, or to the attacks of the enemy, sorry. And people feel more anxious, more depressed, and lonelier than ever before. And so I think we can all agree, relationships are not only good, they're actually godly. But understand, God never pits marriage against singleness. Why would he? Single was Adam's first relationship status. And by the way, I've always found it interesting that the Bible actually doesn't say how long Adam was single before God gave him Eve. And I think that was actually on purpose, because if God had given us a timetable for our singleness, we'd all be more concerned with the countdown than patient with the process. And that's what I want you to see in Genesis, that God's process or the four things God gave Adam before he gave him a romantic partner. Did you guys catch that, by the way? That when God gave Adam his person, he'd already given him four other things. So understand that when our culture wants you to believe that you can only have an H-E-A, a happily ever after, if you have a person, scripture actually busts up that myth by showing us that we can have a happily ever before, before any person. So notice, the first thing God gives Adam before he gives him a person is his presence. I want you to look at Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So church, let me put this picture in your head, okay? Adam is dust. God forms him up, breathes life into him. And what's the first thing that Adam does? Breath of life. Adam opens his eyes, and he's right smack in the presence of the God who created him. So the first building block that God gives Adam is the gift of his presence. Let me say it this way. God's presence is before the person. It's the number one foundational keystone building block. Now, some of you may be thinking, that's it? Because I already knew that. Ah, did you now? Because here's the thing. 
You can know that God is everywhere, but just because you know that God is everywhere doesn't actually mean that you're aware of his presence. Think about it this way. God could have created us without the need for sleep if he wanted to. He could have said, well, I don't think that they need to sleep, so let's just eliminate it altogether, but he didn't. And you want to know why? I think it's to remind us of how God formed Adam, that he took him from nothing. He gave him breath. He opened his eyes. And the first thing that Adam does is come face to face into the presence of God. So I want you to understand, Adam was never alone. Because when you're in God's presence, you are never by yourself. And even though we give and receive God's love, yeah, you can go ahead and clap and praise Jesus and God. Even though we give and receive God's love through other people, the foundation for all relationships is the presence of God. This is why singleness is not a problem to be solved. Because being single does not mean that you're alone. You actually have God's presence in your life available to you 24-7, no Wi-Fi needed. Every time you go to sleep and God gives you breath for another 24-hour period and you open your eyes, you can spend time in his presence. Now that's a relationship goal. And do you know when I think about a person who is walking in the presence of God, I think about my friend Linda. Can I tell you about her? She is incredible, okay? She used to be married, she's single again, and she is a woman who knows the gift of God's presence. I've been blessed by the fruit that she has developed from her time with Jesus. She serves here on our dream team. She leads a small group. She has a huge heart for outreach. And when I see her on Sundays, believe you me, she is not alone. Her hands are raised, her heart is worshiping, and she is connected to her Savior. She is in his presence, enjoying his company. She actually reminds me of the Apostle Paul. Uh, one day, Paul was talking to a group of people in Corinth about hashtag relationship goals, and he said this, I wish that all of you were as I am, meaning single and celibate. But each of you has your own, what's the word, church? Problem. No. Let's read it again. Each of you have, what's the word, church? A gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Translation, it's a gift to be single. So much so that Paul actually wishes others were single too. And do you know if you have the gift of singleness? Do you know how you know? Lean in, lean in. Don't tell anybody, okay? If you're single, if you're single, you have the gift of singleness. And because Paul knows that when you are single, you don't have the concerns of married people, and therefore you can actually be more concerned with the affairs of the Lord, he wants more people to be like him. That's who Linda reminds me of. She's an unmarried woman concerned about the Lord's affairs, and her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. 
So do you get it, church? That God's presence is before the person. And if you're single, God's presence is, is with you, so you're never alone. Let me encourage you, singles, your relational status is not a problem to be solved. And if, and only if, you desire the gift of marriage, can I encourage you with something? If you want to find a woman or a man who is an awesome spouse, look for someone who is content in the presence of God. Because that actually brings us to the second building block God gave Adam before he gave him a person. And that is a place. Look at Genesis 2.8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. This means that the place that you're in, that you may hate to be in, is precisely the place that God has picked for you. Because God's place is before the person. Now the place that God had for Adam was in the garden. And Adam's job was to be content where God had placed him. You see, Adam woke up every morning, not worried, not in a hurry, Adam wasn't frantic. Every day, he opened his eyes, and he was like, what up, God? I love spending time with you. And then he'd walk around the garden, and Adam, in my Bible, is Adan. He's Puerto Rican, so he's a little bit of a swagger. And he's walking in the garden, and he's like, mmm, that fruit looks good. Delicioso. Can you say delicioso? Just did a little Dora for you. <laughs> Adam's physical, emotional, and relational needs were being met in the place that he was in, and he was content. He didn't have Eve, and yet he was able to live in the place of contentment. Guys, this is the place, this is the second building block, the place of contentment. Now, I want you to understand that God's, Adam's contentment is actually at odds with the world. Because what does the world say? That the only way that you can fully feel content is when you have sex with another person. And when you start to believe that, you've actually fallen into the trap of myth numero dos. Singleness is a waste of your sexuality. What does the world tell you? Everybody else is out having fun. You should be too. It's time to sow your wild oats. And when they find out that you're not having sex, all they give you is their pity. Bro, that's harsh. Because what do they believe? That the greatest expression of love and intimacy is sex. And when you start to believe that myth, when you get another wedding invitation, you start to feel the angst of watching one more friend pair off and get married while you're sitting here today thinking will my turn ever come maybe you're approaching your 30s or your 40s and anxiety is starting to ramp up as the hope of raising your own family begins to dim let me tell you something can i tell you something if you believe that the only way to contentment is through physical intimacy, I want to invite you to take a look at the life of Jesus. He was a 33-year-old virgin who never had sex, never got married, and he was the most fulfilled, content, 
single person to ever walk the face of the earth. I mean, think about it. A 33-year-old virgin is the person we worship. Yet sometimes the myth that to be content requires sex leaves singles that I speak to in such a bad place, in a funky emotional headspace because they're buying into the lie. And when you're in this headspace, there's a real temptation to focus on all the greener grass on the marriage side of the fence. But can I be honest with you, singles? My season as a single was short. You know, it was after college. And I got married really early in life. And can I just tell you, singles, I'll be honest with you, there were periods where I really envied my single girlfriends. I envied you. I wished I had more freedom. In fact, I've, I always dreamed of living in an apartment with single girlfriends without other constraints. And I never had that. And it's funny, because when I talk to my single friends, they say, well, I'm envying you. Isn't that interesting? Neither of us sometimes have contentment. But that's why I love that God's place is before the person. Because it's about contentment no matter the place you're in. In every circumstance that God allows into our lives, he is working to bring us to a place of contentment. And the Apostle Paul, who we know was single, actually learned uh, to be content no matter the circumstances of his life. In Philippians 4, he writes, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be, what's the word, church? Content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being, what's the word again? Content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So singles, I want you to understand you're not consigned to a life of struggle. You can be content in the place that God has put you in. Let me tell you about a friend that I have who just shows me what contentment means in, a, in such a beautiful way. He actually struggles with same-sex attraction. But because he's a committed follower of Jesus, and he wants to follow what the Bible says, he's actually said, I'm not just called to singleness. I'm actually called to celibacy. You guys know what celibacy is? When you decide to remain sexually inactive as a way to honor God. Are you kidding me? Do you know how countercultural that is? I mean, people that are caught up in the myth that sex is the only thing that brings contentment would have a hard time believing this. But my friend, he's like the Apostle Paul. He's found the secret to his contentment, which is a supernatural strength that allows him to do all things in Christ. He knows 
God is more interested in his holiness than in his sexual pleasure. And I met with him recently, and he shared with me he's, he's uh, actively serving in the body of Christ. He considers liquid his home, away from home, because he's surrounded by the family in which God has placed him. My friend's call to celibacy is what Paul is speaking of in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who don't know how God, who God is and his ways. Now, who are the lustful pagans? Who is Paul talking about here? It's the people who've bought into the myth. Of course, they're going to hook up and believe that there's no happiness without sex because they don't know any better. The Bible actually says they don't know God. They don't know his ways. But for those of us who don't want to miss out on God's will for our life, we follow his word. And truthfully, I don't know if his will for your life is to remain single or to get married, but I do know this. I know what his word says, and that is that God's will for your life is to stay away from sexual sin so that you can live in a place of holiness and frustration. Is that what the verse says? No. Sorry, let me read that again. So that you can live in holiness and contempt. Yeah? No. What does the verse say? So that you can live in holiness and what's the word, church? honor. Do you know, single people, you are held in special honor by the rest of us. So don't deny yourself the gift of all that God wants to give you in the place that he has put you in. Instead, I want you to learn to be content no matter the place you find yourself in whether it's a place in a hard season, whether it's a place you don't want to be in, whether it's a place you hate, I want you to trust that the place that you're in is exactly the place you got to stay in because God is always working to bring us to a place of contentment. God's place is before the person. Now, the third building block God gives Adam before the person is time to develop his personality. You see, God wants to give you an identity in him before you ever get with a person. Look at Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us, meaning God, Son, the Holy Spirit, first relationship that ever existed, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, why is it important that we develop our identity in our season of singleness? It's important because at the core of our being is our desire to be known, is our desire to belong, to be accepted, to identify with a group of people, to love what they love, to know the inside jokes. And our identity in Christ reminds us no matter what money we make, what title we have, what job we do, what relational season we're in, and even no matter how we feel about it, the question of who we are has already been answered by God like this. You are mine. And by his church like this, you're with us. That's why God 
shapes our personality before the person. Now, some of you sitting here today have forgotten who you are because you're sitting here today and you are saying, I get it, but you don't understand how hard it is to be single. Or you think you're doomed to a life without intimacy because it makes you undesirable. And along the way, you've started to internalize that as a failure, that there's something wrong with you. And because you've forgotten who you are, you start to believe that once you have your person, everything will be well with the world. And so you've started to buy in to what I call myth number three. I'm incomplete until I find my soulmate. The problem is that when you buy into that myth, there are only two possible outcomes. You'll either enter into less than stellar relationships where you get with people you know are not right for you, and then you refuse to let go when the relationship turns out not to be a right fit. Or you'll experience disappointment when you can't find the person of your dreams. Here's the problem. You're looking at a relationship as two halves forming a whole, when it should be about two holes forming a bigger union. That's why God shapes our personality before the person. Now, I want to uh, give you an example of exactly what I mean. Before I moved to New Jersey, I lived in Puerto Rico, and I used to attend a church there, and I had a friend who was engaged to be married, okay? And on the day of her wedding day, her heart was broken. Her fiancé got cold feet and left her stranded on the altar. So I want you to understand this. She was about to go through an identity change. New husband, new family, new bride. Instead, she got jilted. It was as terrible as you are thinking. And as you can imagine, there was a mixture of shock, humiliation, tears, and of course, a lot of pain. But my friend's true identity, not the one she was going to get, the one that she already had, the one who calls her the daughter of the king was firmly rooted in her. And God said, you might have thought that you were going to get a new identity, but instead I want you to trust that I'm the one who's shaping it. And so she spent the next three years embracing her singleness. She went off to the missions field, and she eventually adopted several kids from that country that she was living in. Now, can you imagine, church, if she would have said, no, I need to get married because you don't understand. I'm about to miss out on the one, the soulmate, the one that I need to complete me. Church, she would have missed God's calling for her life. Singles, you have no idea the story God is writing right now because God's vision is so much more than a soulmate that completes you. So I want you to understand, you may be entering 2021 heartbroken after your last relationship ended, but I want you to trust that God is writing a better story because he's going to use this time to forge your identity and remind you of who you are. God shapes our personality before the person. My friend may have been jilted. She was jilted. But God shaped her identity. And watch this. In the process, she discovered her purpose. 
which is the last building block God gave Adam before he gave him his person. Look at verse uh, 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Adam had a purpose before he had a partner. God gave him work to do, a job, before he gave him a woman. And watch this, watch this. His purpose didn't change after he got married. And why is that? Because God's purpose is before the, what's the word, church, altogether? Person. Now, sometimes we want to flip this order, okay? We first try to get with someone without first understanding our purpose, and it can have a huge impact on how well we can fulfill our purpose. Or we actually believe that our purpose is tied to someone else. And until we find that person, we're purposeless which is the last myth, myth numero cuatro. I need a partner to have a purpose. That's exactly what culture says. If you're single, you're just waiting until your real life can begin because your real purpose hasn't started yet. But God says otherwise. Again, in Genesis 2.15, we read, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Guys, Adam had a purpose long before Eve got there. And what was Adam's purpose, by the way? He managed paradise. He managed a resort named Paradise. Not a bad gig, if you ask me. And by the time God created Eve, it was so that she could help him with his purpose. Look at Genesis 2.8. I meaning God, will make a helper who is just right for him. God created Eve so that she could help Adam in his purpose. And what did she help Adam with? His God-given purpose to tend and watch over the garden. God didn't give Eve to Adam so that he could find purpose and then uh, fill with uh, Eve. He gave Adam the purpose first, and then he sent him a helper. In other words, when you get your person, they need to help you fulfill the purpose that God has already put you on this earth for instead of getting in the way of your purpose. Guys, do you see what God is getting at here? Do you see these four building blocks? God is laying the foundation for healthy relationships. I already told you, if you have the gift of his presence, you're never alone. And even though we don't know what the future holds, because God may call you to a life of singleness, guess what? You can still be content in Christ. For some others of you, God may call a romantic partner into your life. And if that relationship comes, I got good news for you. You've invested the time to build a healthy foundation. Because when you have these four building blocks, you're bringing your whole self, whole self, which is made of red cinnamon hearts. And I thank God the fast is over. <laughs> and by the way, it's caliente, I'll say that. Woo! You're bringing your whole self to the relationship and not an incomplete part. This is what healthy relationships 
look like. Now here's the thing. If you bring an incomplete part to a relationship and you say, well, you know what? I have a great um, personality and I, I, I know my purpose, but mm, I haven't really spent time in God's presence in a long time. But that's okay because, you know, the person that I'm going to be entering into relationship with, I mean, they're a Christian. So their presence, you know, the, the time that they spend with God, that's going to complete me. So I think it's okay. <laughs> that's not how it works. This is why there's an ocean of broken hearts in our midst because you're looking for someone else to complete you. But here's what I know. Here's what I love, actually. I love that God helps us pick up the pieces again. And not just pick up the pieces, God actually allows us or helps us to reorient the pieces, to put them in their right place. And that's why I love the Bible. Because the Bible shows us when we've gotten things backward and gives us time to be able to fix what we've broken. And so here's the thing that I want to encourage and I want to challenge you tonight. I want to encourage you to rebuild your foundation. Maybe you've been sitting here and you can't remember the last time that you were in God's presence. You've been putting so much energy into trying to find a new person. Can I encourage you to instead use that energy and meet with God right now? Because if you do, watch, that's going to bring you to a place of contentment. Maybe you've bought into the lie that your singleness is a waste and God is saying to you, I want you to come to me so that I can give you my supernatural strength that allows you to do all things in me. I want to bring you to the place of contentment no matter the season you're in. He's going to use that time, I promise you, to shape your personality. Because some of you sitting here tonight, you've forgotten who you are, and you've forgotten who you belong to. And you've been holding on for dear life to a relationship you know is not healthy because you're afraid to be alone. Can I say to you that God wants to imprint in your heart the words the prophet Isaiah spoke over the people of Israel. You are mine. And then, some of you are sitting here today and you think your purpose in life is to be married. Your purpose in life is not to be married. Your purpose isn't even to be single. It's not to be divorced. Those are circumstances that God has put you in. But your purpose is eternal and it is far-reaching, much farther reaching than that. Church, if you allow God to rebuild your foundation, it doesn't matter how broken your heart has been. 
how you've been entering into 2021 with a broken heart, I want you to know that God can make all things brand new and make you whole and complete in Christ. Amen, church? And so my invitation for you right now is to just bow your heads. I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to pray right there and then. I want you to pray and think about the one piece that you already know is missing. You've already known throughout the message which one it is. And as you think about that and pray, I want to pray over you. And so, Father, I just pray. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. Father, I thank you for the ways in which you show us how the enemy would like nothing more than to make us believe the myths, the lies that our culture says. But we know better because you give us good gifts. You give us the building blocks to that foundation. And so I pray for four groups of people right now. Lord, I pray for those who haven't been in your presence for a long time and they need to be refreshed because they've been in a desert for a really long time. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would shower the people who feel this way with your love, with your grace, with your compassion. Father, I pray for those who are struggling to find contentment in the place that they're in. Would you give them, Holy Spirit, the supernatural strength that they need, the knowledge that they can do all things, not some things, all things, in Christ who gives them strength. I pray for those who've forgotten who they are, a chosen people, people who have been chosen for great works, works that have been prepared in advance. Would you remind them today? You call them your own, and they are your children. And finally, Lord, I pray for those who've forgotten their purpose. I thank you that you have a God-given purpose that far surpasses our relational status. And I pray that truth would be written and sealed in each of their hearts. I thank you for these truths. I thank you for the grace that you do give us to rebuild and help us find a new foundation, a sturdy one, so that we can have healthy relationships. We love you, Lord, and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.